Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. We're glad that you're here today. Of course, another great show. We're going to be talking about how to make images helpful. Yes, how to make images helpful because no one wants an unhelpful image. So we'll get to that in just a second. Just a reminder, this week is our last week. We are going to be streaming on both the TechSmith YouTube channel and the Visual Lounge YouTube channel. It's all moving over to the Visual Lounge YouTube channel. So if you haven't yet, go over there and subscribe. If you don't want to miss anything, you got to do the thing the YouTubers say and hit that bell and it will make sure you get reminders because we want you to make sure you're getting all the great content that we're putting out there from the Visual Lounge. So go ahead and do that. And of course, you can always tell us if you, you know, if you like that, don't like that, you want to see something on the show, you can always leave comments. Of course, you can always email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com and we're on social media as well. So make sure you check us out there. So with that said, let's get into today's show because we've got a lot to talk about. Our guest today is Diane Elkins, who is a co-owner of Artisan eLearning, a custom e-learning development company and e-learning uncovered, where she helps people build courses they're proud of. She has built a reputation as a national e-learning expert by being a frequent speaker at if I could stalk, I would be I would be an expert too, but I can't. She by being a frequent speaker at major industry events for ATD, the Learning Guild, and Training Magazine. Her favorite topics include accessibility, instructional design, and articulate storyline. She is co-author of the popular e-learning uncovered book series, as well as e-learning fundamentals, a practical guide from ATD Press. She's a past board member of the Northeast Florida and Metro DC chapters of ATD. And with that said, please welcome Diane Elkins to the Visual Lounge. Hi there. Hi, Diane. Well, hey, thank you so much for being with me today. You bet. Sorry for the mouthful of trying to just reading is a challenge this morning or this afternoon. I get it. So, I get it. Uh, so one of the things I, I love people's bios because they're, you know, it's, we're, we're obviously trying to put the key information in there. But what else should we know about you as we jump into today? Uh, probably a lot of our audience uh, has not had a chance to hear you speak, which they're missing mm-hmm. out on. Uh, so what, what else would you want us to know before we go? Well, I'm an above average bowler. Um, Perfect. Baton. Uh, no. <laughs> um, my background actually is graphic design. I started my career planning to go into advertising and then realized that at the end of the day, all I was doing was making junk mail and drifted like many people into this industry by accident. And it's a place where I can use my visual skills that I love so much. I also enjoy writing. And you put those together and you put it in the world of workplace learning and you also get to help people do their jobs better. That just seems like a really great mix of the creativity I join and the, the lar- that I enjoy and the larger purpose that I enjoy. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because uh, uh, I, I find a lot of people in the learning space, uh, you know, like yourself, did not start there uh, with with a few exceptions. What what was the point where you said, oh, this is the thing I'm going to go do because I don't want to make these these ads. I don't want to make junk mail. What was there a kind of a pivotal moment that led you to do create training and learning? Yeah, well, I started in training. um by being an expert first. So I, I took a little detour to get to advertising and I started, um, I opened a resume writing business and then I had a chance to get a job as a job search trainer. And so that was, you know, back in the late nineties. So very traditional classroom training, did advertising a while. And when, and when I was done, I said, you know, I'm going to go back to this training. And I was a classroom trainer for several years, business skills. And then I worked for a company who in 2000 wanted to uh, move into e-learning. 
and when just when it was starting to become big. And they looked around the office and said, uh, Diane, you know Excel. You're kind of techie. You want to <laughs> help us figure this out? I'm like, okay. So my boss and I went to a conference in Denver in 2000, and we figured it all out. And what I realized is the reason I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up is that it didn't exist yet. And now it existed. And so everything I had ever studied and loved in my life was now all in one job. And that was 22 years ago, and I haven't looked back since. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting how often that happens, I think, to folks in this, this industry is that they kind of <clears> just <throat> fall into it and they realize, oh, I can bring all these pieces together. I'm very much the same way. It was, uh, my, I was mentioning before we started today that I did it, uh, I worked in uh, for the federal government doing uh, their training arm as an intern, actually. And it was like, it was a job I found, like, because I needed a job during this internship when I was going to be in D.C. with my school. And it's like, I'm like, oh, people do this? They train people for, wow, this is, it was, it was amazing. So, um, but that's not why we're here to talk today. We're here to talk about helpful images. Um, we're going to start kind of broad here. I'm curious, there's a lot of opinions about good e-learning, bad e-learning. What role do you think visuals have in kind of tipping the balance? Because I don't think it's going to be like, it's not the only thing that makes mm -hmm. e-learning good, right? But what role do you think it has in tipping the balance towards good e-learning versus stuff that's maybe less successful or less helpful? Yeah. Well, one thing that I think is really important to know is that good visuals can't fix bad training. You know, if, if we don't have information that's helpful, it doesn't matter what the images are. I don't care how pretty it is. So pretty can't be the, the driving force is going back to that word helpful. It's one of my favorite words at Artisan. One of our core values is to be knowledgeable and helpful. Our job is to go out there into the world and put information in people's hands so that they know how to do their jobs better. And everything we do has to, to drive that. Now, at the same time, if it looks terrible, that can, first of all, inhibit learning. If I can't, if I can't read your font, I mean, we have the ability through font and color choices to induce a migraine, right? <laughs> you know, electric blue and lemon yellow. Don't know. I mean, we have a, we have the opportunity to actually inhibit learning. Um, some of the research, um, I like Ruth Colvin Clark's um, research on this, on such that in many cases, you can learn just as well with a simple diagram as a complex diagram. And in fact, in some cases, people can learn better from a simpler diagram. But learning is only one aspect of it. You want people to take it. You want people to believe you. You want people to assign you enough credibility that they want to go adopt the things you're trying to get them to adopt. You want them to maybe say nice things about it to their coworkers. And visual design does have a lot to do with that. Because if your message is in an unprofessional looking package, people will doubt your message. Well, you know, yeah, well, there goes, I'm just starting to check off all the questions I was gonna ask you about, right? Like, okay, there we go. Uh, let's talk about that though for a second. Cause I think there is a, there is a sense of like, what's the role of aesthetics? And like you said, like bad aesthetics can create migraines. You can create problems. It can make it so uh, people don't learn. I know there's a study and it, this is completely different space, but it's about audio quality that mm -hmm. people who listen, like if you have an expert and their audio quality is bad, they'll actually be perceived as less intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I imagine that same with visuals. Like if it's bad visual design, it will be seen as less relevant, important, 
So how mm-hmm. do we how do we know that we're getting to the right level, right? And I know right. we've got some stuff we'll talk about different kind of levels and approach, but like just generally, what are there best practices here that we should just be aware of? Absolutely. The way I like to look at it is three levels. There's a certain level of professionalism you don't want to go below. You know, uh, Comic Sans in purple. <laughs> you know, just just don't. <laughs> just don't. Um, images that are grainy and fuzzy and poor quality. Uh, one that's a piece of clip art next to a photo and they're just, it's just a haphazard look. You can't tell where you're supposed to be looking. That's a level of professionalism you don't want to go below. Then we've got what I'll just call simple, average, maybe even kind of plain. And then there's, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Well, oh my gosh, that's beautiful is great, but it's okay if your, mes- if your design is simple. Um, I talk about um, the three font rule and the three color rule. Unless you are a trained professional, you don't need to go with more than three colors, a dark, a light, an accent. And you don't ever need more than three fonts, a heading, a body text, and an accent. If you have more than that, you're trying too hard. Now, some people can pull it off. Like I have a friend, he can pull off a plaid blazer and a paisley tie like no one can. (laughs) Most people will get that wrong. So for most people, it is a good rule to not mix your patterns unless you happen to know you can pull it off. Same thing with things like fonts and um, colors is one of the best ways to be professional is to have fewer design elements, which might seem counterintuitive. People might say, oh, I went to PowerPoint class. I've learned how to do this and this and this, and I'm going to put it all in one course. (laughs) Well, that's actually going to hurt your message. So simplicity is actually better. Pick a few key colors that you use over and over, a few key fonts over and over. So in terms of just your your immediate global design choices, keep it simple. So let me ask you, because I see that a lot with especially uh, beginner d- designers, instructional designers, but outside of that too, right? We, it's easy to make that mistake of too much. How do, we, how do you help pull someone back from that? Uh, what, what would you say to someone if I'm making that vital mistake? Because um, it feels good to use lots of the stuff I know. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you help talk somebody about off the ledge before they, they make that, you know, leap into the, oh my gosh, it's too much. I think if your driving force is how cool it is, you're off the mark right there. If it's, oh my gosh, I want to learn this, use this new thing. That is the cart before the horse. I can use lots of analogies here. Right. Is ultimately, I think what we can do is change the prompts in our own head. So if I'm sitting there looking at something and saying, hmm, what should my slides say? I am seeding my brain to come up with text as my answer. What should my slides say? I am predisposing my answer to be text. What should my bullets be? Again, I'm predisposing it. Uh, What piece of clip art or what image should I put off to the side? You're predisposing yourself for a certain thing. Instead, maybe even stop using the word slide and go back to a word back from like the 90s when, you know, before we even had PowerPoint in the classroom back in the dark ages, we talked about visual aids, Hmm. not slides. I want to see that term come back. If I ask myself, what's the best visual aid for this? So I look at my content and saying, based on what I'm trying to accomplish, what visual will best help me get there? 
not how can I make this look cooler? Um, how can I make this hip? Hey, can I use that new thing I learned in class? Those are prompts that will send you down the wrong path. But if you ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish? Is it to explain a point, evoke an emotion, build credibility? What are you trying to accomplish? And what visual will best help you get there? That'll help make sure you're staying on track. You're focusing on what's most important. And oh, by the way, it's likely to be helpful. I love it. I love it. And we are, okay, we're doing this. We're bringing back visual aid as a term. So let's right here. Hashtag visual aid. We're going to, we're going to spread it across social media. I love it because I I think it's so easy to get caught up in those things because there's, you know, there's so much you can do and there's so much like you want the aesthetic. Like I think there's the the trap I, I fall. I know I fall into this is I want the aesthetics because I want it to be believable. I want it to be trusted. I want it to feel good. And sometimes it's hard to like, it's a conceptual concept. And so I'm like, I don't have anything visually like that's super valuable here. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to make something that's pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I do an okay job with the pretty, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good overall balancing, but it, it feels like I fall into the trap because short of the other things that I could be doing, it's really sometimes hard to be simple. Yeah. And so I, so I love the advice that the, I know there was a comment in the, the chat about th- the, the three colors, three font rule. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that most of us still probably pair even in three, three fonts is hard. That's a lot of fonts to me. I'm going to get it wrong. I, I just know I'm going to get it wrong. Um, I, I want to take that, what you said though. And I, I want to talk about something you, we talked about prior to the show. You, you talked about the difference between like a classroom trainer and like mm-hmm. an e-learning module mm-hmm. where even with a subpar or poor kind of visual aids, a classroom trainer can make it work versus like an online standalone module. And I'm yeah. guessing that goes for lots of things. It could be an e-learning course. It could be a video. It could be, you know, however right. you present it, but those won't work. Whereas the, you know, I, I'm a pretty good, pretty good in front of the camera, pretty good in front of the classroom. I could probably make it work regardless. Tell us, tell us why that is. Yeah. So a good instructor can carry a bad PowerPoint. If you are, imagine you're sitting in a classroom. (laughs) Remember those days when we all like gathered in rooms together? Yeah, remember that? So you're sitting in a classroom. Most of the time you're looking at the instructor. The instructor is your primary visual. Yeah, you're going to glance over those slides. And yeah, if they're awful, you're going to cringe. But it's such a small percentage of the overall visual information you're taking in. Most of the time you're looking at the instructor. Once you're online, that changes. Now, if it's, you know, a, a live, if it's instructor led, yeah, you still perhaps got that person on camera, but the slides are going to be much bigger. Self-paced e-learning, freestanding video, the visuals, your slides, your visual aids are 100% of your message. So a mediocre slide that barely cut it in the classroom is going to be 10 times worse online. So you've got to up your visual game if you don't have the instructor. And then we also need to think about how often that visual changes. An instructor can spend 10 minutes on one slide in the classroom and it's perfectly normal. 10 minutes in self-paced e-learning is an eternity. That that is probably the, the, that's the module, right? Like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, if we're, especially if you're converting from a, 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 a person being the primary visual, converting it to something that's more self-paced, you've got to up your visual game. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I, it, it makes so much sense to me. And, and it is obviously a, a challenge. Um, well, 
let's let's okay so we we've, we know we've got an upper game is is there a rule generally because like i think about the visual we, we talk about visual aids right it's aiding the content um well, I, it's easy for us to talk about slides because you know a lot of people do powerpoint whether it's an e-learning right. page or module or whatever it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter here how much information should be on that in that box with that mm -hmm. visual like is there balance that happens there because I find, and I'm probably maybe more skewed one way, I, I have very little information. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's one thing, like one idea and might even be part of an idea, right? Because I'm trying to just reduce how much is there. Other people do the the kind of cardinal thing where they're like, I'm going to put five bullet points, lots of data. What's what's right here when we're, we're kind of incorporating that the, the visual aid mm -hmm. with this? Right. Um, I'm not a fan of rules in that regard, which sure. I know for some people rules are very helpful. So you probably heard of the six by six rule or the 10 by 10 or the eight by eight, whatever, you know, whatever number people pick that you shouldn't have more than six bullets with six words each. Well, that's if bullets are even the right choice for that slide. Maybe that slide, the best thing is a video with zero words. You're mm -hmm. trying to evoke an emotion. Well, your words aren't going to do that. It is critically important that you know that will cause nobody to care. So um, a lot of it is again about your, your goal, your message, but um, I think one of the things that's important is to not try to give your visual aids too many purposes. I think one of the struggles that people have, especially I see this more with classroom training than with self-paced e-learning, but with classroom training, you're making your PowerPoint and they want the PowerPoint to also be the instructor notes. I don't mean the notes paint. I mean the slide. And right. so there's, they're making their visual aids be their instructor notes and hello, Where's the worst place to put instructor notes behind me? <laughs> I mean, really? Is that that's where I should put my notes so that the students can see my notes? No. I mean, there's presenter view. Get out an index card. Nobody will mind if you put your notes on an index card or you have a piece of paper in your hand. So your slides are not for you. Period. Your slides are not for you. And so if you're trying to put enough on there to... Uh, idiot proof yourself so you remember what to say that's not the goal of your visual aid or they say oh well we want this to stand alone for people who can't make it if I've done my job my slides make no sense without me <laughs> I love they it my message they are not my message if I want to make a document then I'll make a document yeah I I, I love that advice because I I'm pretty sure my slides I've turned into many of these conferences they're not very good without the presentation part of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So. Because they're your visual aid, not yeah. a book. Absolutely. Well, I know you, you've done some work around this kind of this concept of uh, looking at the kind of variety of what works, what doesn't work, the, the mm -hmm. levels you talked about earlier. Should we, should we dive in to look at those? Yeah. Would, that, would that be good? Yeah. yeah let's okay. take a look. So, so a couple of years ago, you want me to set it up? Yeah, please set us up. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I made a short course, it was about a 15 minute little course on staying focused on your priorities. And I designed it three ways, uh, pretty, plain, and hideous. And for each one, the content was exactly the same. The narration was the same, the words were the same, and the content of all the images was the same. So if there's a picture of a clock on one, it's a clock on the other. But what was different is just the graphic design. And I put it out in the world. 
randomized and so that people would randomly get one or the other. And I wanted to see, you know, people like um, Ruth Colvin Clark's work has already indicated that it shouldn't matter for their ability to learn unless, again, you can't read it. But I wanted to know, does it impact people's ability, willingness to receive and adopt the message? So you want to um, show the slides there, Matt? And I will share with what, what my results were. Okay, here we, we've so we got, got a couple here. slides here of the pretty. I think I have like three or four slides I can show you. So there's slide two. There's mm -hmm. it looks good, you know. Yeah. Okay. Then, so that's basically how they all worked. Is for each of the seven points, there was a teaching slide and then one of these activity slides. So same thing over and over again. Now let's look at the plain version, kind of the average. Yeah. So it's very similar in concept, but I would bet most people out there in the business world could say, yeah, I could make that. I could, mm -hmm. I could pull, I could pull that off. It's not fancy. Nobody's going to win an award from it. Nobody's going to put it up on their refrigerator because they're so proud of it, but it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Let's, let's show them the ugly. Are you ready? Cause woo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, there's our menu. Somebody wanted to use every tool in their toolbox. Got some lots of color yeah. options. Yeah. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? Yes. Oh, stock photos. Easy Those are fun. Graphics. Yes. Brush font. Oh, yeah. That's easy to read, isn't it? So when I was making this course and making the ugly version, I was thinking, Diane, you've gone too far. Like, People don't really make it this bad. This is not going to be really worthwhile. And then I got a PowerPoint from somebody. So we were talking to about doing work and they said, yeah, we've got some existing training. We'd like to refresh it. We'd like to, you know, bump it up a notch. And when I opened it, I physically jumped back in my chair because of the physical assault that was their course. So I'm like, nope, I have not gone too far. This does exist in the world. So I um, had about 500 people go through the course. And unfortunately, I didn't get enough survey results for it to really be statistically valid. I was hoped, hoping to make this like, you know, actual big R research. Mm -hmm. um, but what was really interesting to me is that the plain and the pretty got very similar results. Pretty got a little bit higher. Yeah, so there's again the plain. And it got very similar results to the prettier one. Um, and they said that the, um, what I liked best was the comments, you know, and so people with both courses said, hey, this was helpful. This gave me some useful things to think about. On the plain one, there were also a few comments that says, you know, it would have been nice if it was a little more visually interesting, but, and then they went on to say a nice thing about the course. And they were talking about how this would help them. Not one person who took the ugly course said anything about how it was helpful. It was the same exact course, mm -hmm. but not one person said, hey, I learned something that will help me. So either they didn't finish it. I, like, I don't even know if I would have gone past that first slide, quite <laughs> frankly. Yeah, I think you, um, that this is a showstopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right there. So, you know, you could have the best content in the world. But if it's in this type of package, people won't listen to you. And so we've got to make sure that our attempt to be cool doesn't backfire. And it is better to be plain than to 
try cool and get it wrong. Yeah. And, and real quick, Diane, what I want to do is just, I want to try to describe this visually for anyone who's listening to the audio portion of this later. Sure. So you imagine a slide with striped, a striped background, multiple different types of visuals that are images, fonts, or vi images like graphics that are different types and styles and colors, blurry pictures, a very cursive font, which is wow. And so you really have to go check it out on uh, on our YouTube channel, The Visual Lounge on, on, on YouTube, if you want to get the full picture of it, if you're listening to this, but it's, you don't need to see it to imagine it's pretty bad. <laughs> now, one thing I did notice, and, and it was interesting because when you sent these to me, I looked through them and I was like, okay, yep, that looks really good. That's really good. I, I want to point out on this slide, and this was just my kind of gut reaction, is on this ways to stay focused and prioritize, you've got kind of this arc of the mm -hmm. icons and the numbers. I actually really responded to the average one. I thought, yeah. oh, this this feels a much clearer, much mm -hmm. like like I, easier to read. I know I wasn't taking the course. I wasn't trying to go through mm -hmm. it as a learner, but just kind of my gut was like, I actually like this one better because it was just Mm -hmm. Like I could follow along easier where it wasn't trying to kind of throw me around with too like many things. Yeah. too many things. Yeah. yeah. It was almost overdid it on the pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And that can, that can happen. Um, and you can also uh, clutter up your message so that it's hard to tell what's what. And the other thing that is really important is to, um, you know, think about individuals who um, may not have the same physical abilities as you the same ability to perceive color, for example, mm -hmm. um, the same ability to just process information. And so sometimes the clearer, more straightforward approach is easier for people to process. Yeah, we, we had a question come in from uh, from Garth, one of our, our viewers today said, are we saying that visuals can really do more harm than good? Would, would you yeah. say that's the case? They can, they can, you know, from a couple of um, perspectives. One is it can be uh, hard to read. It can be distracting. It can be irrelevant. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with it. So, um, Patty Shank just did a, a really great article um, on uh, when it is and isn't appropriate to use graphics. And I, I won't remember the official three words. So we're just going to have to, but basically using my words, I apologize, Patty. You have your helpful graphics, meaning they aid in learning. Then you have your basically kind of neutral graphic. It might be decorative, but it's not causing any harm. But then you can have, um, I think the word is like seductive graphics, where it gets you sucked in to something that is irrelevant. And it actually knocks you out of learning. So yes, the wrong graphic can actually inhibit learning. Yeah, well, I love that. I love that concept, because I think there is a danger. And, you know, I we're TechSmith, we are all about images and visuals, but it's it's still using the right ones for the right place and the right mm -hmm. time. But I, I I love that breakdown that you know because because sometimes there's not a visual that fits, and as long as it's not, it's kind of that principle: do no harm, right? Like it's not doing mm -hmm. harm, but it is very easy to get caught up and be like, oh, we're gonna do a really nice graphic here, and then you get caught on the graphic versus what is the message, what is the thing that we're gonna yeah. say or what are we trying to convey, whether it's uh, learning or even I would just imagine just kind of regular communication, right? Like mm -hmm. you get caught up on it and it's taking people yeah. on the wrong thing. And that's why I love the question, is it helpful? Because yes, it can be cool, but is it helpful? And if it's not helpful, then we have to ask ourselves why we're doing it. And you talked about, you know, 
staring at something and struggling about what to what to do that's helpful. And what I tell folks, especially newer writers who come to work with us at Artisan, is I'll say, if you're looking at your slide, your script or narration or whatever, and you're struggling what visual to use, question your content first. Because theoretical, abstract, conceptual information is a lot harder to illustrate. And so what we end up doing is decorating instead of illustrating. I would rather illustrate my point with something that makes that point clearer, more memorable, more impactful than decorating a slide. And conceptual information is harder to illustrate because it's so abstract. And so that's where we end up with cheesy thumbs up or person pointing to the bullet points. I hate that. <laughs> or, uh, oh, a light bulb to indicate it's an idea. Well, you're going to get really superficial graphic, handshake, ah, you know, people gathered around a computer pointing at it. You know, you've seen all of it is you're going to come up with generic graphics if your content is generic. So I'd say, look at your content and say, am I being helpful with my content? Am I being clear about how somebody would use this in what situation? Am I giving clear examples, analogies, scenarios? That's why I love an analogy. It is so easy to, to uh, do a great visuals if you have a great analogy. So if you're really struggling, question your content. Yeah, I, I, I do love that. And I love that you turned it towards thinking about what are the analogies? What are the ways that are illustrative outside of pictures, right? Like how do you mm -hmm. illustrate to take this from a high level thinking to more concrete thinking. But that's yeah. a real challenge for a lot of us, right? Because we do have mm -hmm. conceptual things that we have to convey. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I guess the analogy stuff helps. Any other tips to get from kind of that concept down to, you know, maybe more concrete things so that you could illustrate and not just decorate? Yeah, one thing is that if you have an analogy, tell it first. So if I have a conceptual concept that I explain and then I have a great analogy for it to make sense. Well, what's my visual, you know, let's say my analogy is about an elephant. Well, I can't start that slide with the elephant if I'm starting with the conceptual because people are gonna be going, why am I looking at an elephant? Tell your story first, have a start with a great visual, then you can explain conceptually what you're trying to tie to. So just flipping it sometimes can really be useful. And then the other is just good instructional design is to try and focus on what people are doing on some random Tuesday in November. So um, this is my soapbox. So at a certain point, you may need to cut me off. Um, I love it. Okay, so here we go. We are in the job of helping people make decisions. So you've got some guy named Joe on some random Tuesday in November sitting at his desk or at the assembly line or on a, on a um, sales call or whatever. And he has to make a decision. Do I pick up this tool or that tool? Do I click this button? Do I click that button? Do I say this? Do I say nothing? Our job is to help Joe make a decision in that moment. The more we can focus our training on that decision, the better our training is going to be. And by the way, that moment is easier to illustrate than, oh, I want you to list, define, explain, and understand these <laughs> concepts. So the more we can have our training live in the moment of decision, the easier it's going to be to illustrate. That's a great soapbox. I love it. Well, I, you I know, like I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. So if you see me out there in the world, you'll probably hear me say that because it's like my thing. 
Well, I, I, I love thinking about Joe in November on a random Tuesday doing his job, just doing his job, right? He's And what? he's got to, we're providing for something for him. And, you know, at TechSmith, we've been talking a lot kind of broader about communication, not just training, but it's like in, in any communication with visuals, mm-hmm. right? Like what's going to really make it relevant to, to Joe? And uh, yeah. So I want to go to a question that uh, was asked in the, in the chat that I think is he, he, James is asking in choosing visual aids is the, is the content or the audience more important? I think I know my answer, but I think it's kind of similar thing, right? You just sort of answered mm-hmm. it. It's about the audience. Everything we do is in service of the learner. It is not about us and it is not about the expert. Everything we do is in service of that person. Because here's the thing, we might have business goals, but only the learner can achieve the business goal. Only the learner can change their performance on that Tuesday. And so everything needs to be in service of what is going to help that person understand, retain, remember, and care about your content. Yeah, and I I would say that goes to so many other areas too, right? If you're a marketer watching this or listening Mm -hmm. to this, you're in service of that that audience because you want them to be successful, whatever they're doing. It's not about us or you, or it's not even about your tool. It's about getting that person to be able to do the job that they've got to get done. So thank there's you. There's so many overlaps between training and advertising. Advertising yeah. is also about getting you to make a decision. Now it usually involves your checkbook, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're trying to get you to make a decision at a certain point in time. And we're doing the same thing. We're trying to get people to make a decision a certain way at a certain point in time. Yeah. I want to go back real quick because Jane was asking, Jane Davids was asking the three words. It was instructive, decorative, and seductive. Seductive. Yes. And again, these are not the official researchy (laughs) words. And Matt, if I get you the link to Patty's article, I assume you can put it in the comments or whatever. And it can, it can look, because it was a great article. We can put that in the, the show notes as well and yep. make sure everyone gets that. Cause yeah, I'd love to see that for myself, but I, yeah. you know, Patty, Patty Shank, if you don't know Patty Shank, she does some mm-hmm. amazing research and great stuff. So, okay. And then so, Matt, um, I have oh, an ahead. example of this if you want, yeah. you want to do, do the Red Cross example? Let, let's do that. Let me pull that right back up and okay. I'm going to scroll down there. Okay. Here yeah, that's the one. Okay. So this gets back to the concept of do we decorate or do we illustrate? And if we can't illustrate, let's question our content. So um, we've done a lot of work over the years with the American Red Cross in their disaster services area. And we worked with them on a a course about how to fill out a form to help them um, manage uh, their disaster relief efforts. So imagine a hurricane comes in, there's shelters everywhere, they're trying to manage that operation. And so the the audience is volunteers who do not have a financial or statistical background who need to fill out this complex financial and statistical stuff. And oh, by the way, there's a direct disaster raging around you, you know, so no pressure. And this was one of their slides. So what's a commitment? Well, it's about how much money we believe we've spent and blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, but it's a management tool, not an accounting tool. So it's critical that reflected as soon as possible because the dollar figures drive financial decisions. Okay. Well, first of all, you know, not a very interesting slide. This was for a webinar that did not have the person on camera. So this is all you were looking at. And the the guy who put it together was a, just such a great person who was so passionate about how data can, the power of data can really help change people's lives. But he he didn't know the right way to get that message out. Fortunately, he knew it. My job's harder when my client doesn't know their baby is ugly. <laughs> 
he knew he, he knew his baby was ugly and he didn't know what to do about it. So he knew this wasn't right. So it's not like I'm picking on somebody behind their back. Um, we were in on this together. And so I could just decorate this slide. So you want to show the next one? Yeah. I could just um, decorate it. I mean, that's a prettier version, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But have I added any value? Is this content easier to remember, easier to understand, remember, apply, do in the moment, get you to care about? It's not. And so question your content. And so if you read over this, what you realize is, I don't even know what it means. Like, I know what all those words mean, (laughs) but I don't know what it means. And if I'm a shelter manager, I don't actually know, like, what are you asking me to do? So right. that's when I have to use my interviewing skills, which I think is one of the best skills you can have, whether, whether, you're, whether you're crafting any message. I don't care what kind of message it is. And so I, I talk to the subject matter expert. I'm like, tell me what's going on in the real world. So there's a hurricane. There's a disaster shelter. What's going wrong? What are people not getting about this? And they said, and he said, okay, so here's, here's the deal is we want people to report how much money they're spending, but I want to know the minute they commit to spending it. So if they need new cots, the minute they place that order, they've committed to spending our money. Like they haven't paid for it yet. The bill hasn't arrived. The cots haven't arrived. By the time the cots have arrived and the bill is coming, we paid it. Like our shelters are closed. We're done. Like I can't respond if I know three weeks after you've made a, uh, a decision or a purchase, I need to know the minute you've committed our funds. That's why they're called commitments. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that this is not a slide about money. This is a slide about time. They were putting the expenses on the wrong day. So wow. coins are not even the right decoration. So if we go to the next slide, We could do something as simple. This is a very, very simple slide. I'm sure everybody watching this can make this slide. For those of you who can't see it, it's a calendar with a couple of dates and a couple of red circles. And so if this was self-paced e-learning, I'd say, okay, so let's say you order some cuts on the 7th, receive them on the 10th, and receive the bill on the 23rd. We can't wait till the 23rd to know that that money is being spent. The minute you spent it on, you made the order on the 7th, that's the day it goes on your form. It's clearer to understand. You're going to remember it better. And by the way, this is going to be a much shorter slide. The right graphic makes your courses shorter in many cases. Now, if I want to go farther to an analogy, because, you know, this is something that you may not do for six months. Let's hope you don't do this for six months because there's no disasters. You may not remember it. Can I do something that's maybe a little bit more memorable? And that's where an analogy comes in. So I could say, you know, imagine you're going to have dinner with your friends. You have a $20 bill in your pocket. You place your order. You get burger, fries, and a shake. It comes to $14. Okay. You're waiting for your food. You still have $20 in your pocket, don't you? You do. And everybody I says, do. hey, you want to go to the movies? And you go, yeah, I got $20. We can go to the movies. Well, you've already committed to spend $14 of it. So if you want to show the next slide... When you order, you commit. And it's the commitment that we put on the form. So that's another case where an analogy makes your graphics so much easier to do. But it's not just about prettier. It's 
you're more likely to remember this now. It's more helpful. Yeah. Well, wow. I, I, I love these examples and I love the, the walkthrough because you're, you know, I was looking at these earlier. I'm just going to go back. And like you said, this made no sense. Uh, <laughs> money on the page. No sense. It made no sense. It's because it's not about money. But right. it really, I was like, what is this even saying? Right. But these are and, very clear. Like, I love both of these because this one is like, oh, I can I could like quick recall if I looked at it, I knew what it is. But this one, it's going to have a different kind of reaction because of the story with it. Right. Like 20 mm -hmm. bucks. I, I spend that amount. I can't go and spend it on something else. So, yeah, right. I love I love both of those. And if you go back to the one with the coins, if we go back to how we craft our message first, that's the problem with this slide. It wasn't that the first one was ugly is that our message wasn't clear. Like even now that you know what you know and you read over this text, now it hits you in the face, obvious, like, oh, I'm not actually telling them what to do. Nowhere on this slide doesn't tell them overtly, enter in your financial commitments the day you make the order and make the commitment. Like, does, does it say that every, anywhere? Yeah, no. no. If you can't figure out how to illustrate and can only think of how to decorate and it's something cheesy and superficial, question your content. Yeah. Just so you know, uh, a, a couple things here. We got the link to Patty Shank's article. It's been oh, awesome. uh, put into the chat. So we'll Great. also put that throughout the, the show notes and things like that. Uh, Diane, pretty soon here in just a, a couple minutes, we're going to go to our speed round. But before we do that, I wanna, we're going to try something to do. I've no, never done this before. So you're my guinea pig. Thank you for okay. agreeing to this. We're going to do something called, let's see, or can we fix it now? I have mocked up a, an e-learning page. And you know how you said, uh, I might maybe I should warn people about seizures. And uh, it's <laughs> this is intentionally hideous based on my a Google search. Uh, but I want to just, your gut reaction, I mean, which is going to be, first of all, it's going to be like, uh, I got to throw up. Uh, but just Immediately, what advice would you give to someone to fix it? And I, I've intentionally, again, I'm just, I want to clear the okay. air here. I've intentionally made it bad. Exactly. I would never make this okay. myself. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. Everyone at home better hold your seats and get your trash bags ready because it's it's hideous. Here we go. How? Pointing <laughs> to content. How did you know that was my favorite? You have said so many of the things. I'm just like, in my back of my head, I was thinking, oh boy, I'm glad I did that one. <laughs> So that is, uh, someone comes to you and says, Diane, we've got e-learning. We need you to help make us make it better. Uh, what would what advice would you give? And obviously this is more like a interact could be an interactive module, but this could be a slide. Mm -hmm. I could do this in PowerPoint. It could be in whatever, mm -hmm. right? So. Yep. Yep. Okay. So a couple of things. I'll go big picture, little picture, et cetera. One is um, we always want to check for color contrast. Color contrast is one of the best ways to make our communications more accessible to individuals with disabilities. So I can tell you right now that that white on orange does not meet the minimum required um, color contrast. Um, I did a short video for ATD, their toolbox tip series on how to check for color contrast and what the preferred thresholds are. So I can make sure I can get that to you as well, Matt. But that mm -hmm. is such an easy, easy, quick thing to do to be more inclusive with your content. Um, and then we have the word resources up there at the top. Um, I took a whole semester of typography in college and liked it <laughs> and a semester of calligraphy. And I would have gotten an F for that because um, you don't ever want to use all caps in what's called an ornamental. 
So any that's a that's considered a swash italic. So the little swish yeah. on the R and the E and the S is you generally all caps are harder for people to read who have information processing. So the whole thing is in all caps. I would rever- reserve all caps for a few words here and there, you know, for, just for emphasis. So one of the other things we learn in design school is when you emphasize everything, you've emphasized nothing. So you want to use your emphasis um, sparingly. So I'd be careful about using all caps, and especially if it's an ornamental. Most ornamental fonts, um, Old English is another one, which you probably shouldn't be using in e-learning, but they're, you know, certificate of completion or whatever, mm-hmm. never, ever, ever in all caps. Um, I think this is a great opportunity to use the three-color rule. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have four. Um, if you're going to use three, again, I would recommend a dark, a light, and an accent, not three in-your-face colors. Um, so, you know, could you use that green and that pink? Well, you might. Um, uh, there's a, a national sorority that has that uh, very similar to that pink and green colors. And, you know, if this is for them, then you would absolutely use it. But if you're too, um, if you've got several bright colors like this, because maybe that's your color palette, integrate more white and black. White and black are always free. So remember I said the three color rule, white and black are always free. So nice. maybe that pink is more of a stripe directly below the the um, uh, the green. Or maybe if we kept pointy lady, uh, maybe there's like a like a fun cutout behind her that's in the pink. So the, the one of the um, one of the things I also learned in design school is uh, the more you the more you have of something, the less fun it can be. <laughs> so something that's that big shouldn't be that pink. The same thing is true with text. The more text you have, the less fun you can have with the font. So if you have two words like hot tip, yeah, pick something a little fun and interesting Mm -hmm. for that hot tip. But if you've got a paragraph, first and foremost, unless unless your goal is to create fine art, the goal of your text is to be read. And so if you do things that keep it from being read and using a complicated font on a larger passage, it's, it's going to, to eliminate um, the effectiveness of your message. So uh, let's see, we've got one, two, three, four, five fonts. <laughs> so I, 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 I did my worst. <laughs> yes, yes. And you got Comic Sans in there, so, you know, way to go. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I would, this is, you know, more of a subtle thing is through design, you have the ability to um, influence where the learner's eye goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the things that cause your eye goes somewhere um, other than other one place other versus another. See, now I can't form full full sentences. <laughs> um, some of it is um, if it's distinct. If everything is big and one thing is small, you're going to look at the small thing first. If everything's small, one thing's big. If one thing's brighter, if one thing's more dull, basically whatever makes it different. Also, a lot of room about some around something makes it more visible. So my eye goes directly to her, which is the least important thing on the message. Now, the one good thing about her little pointy finger, which I hate, is it does actually draw your eye over to where you're supposed to look. But why should I look at her first? Right. So I won't say you can control where people's eyes go, but you can influence it. Um, there's another graphic. I think I'll see if I can find it for you. It's, it's awesome. It's a graphic with a bunch of tech. I think it's a web layout. 
And so everything's in the right font and color and position, but the words say, you'll read this first, you'll read this next, you'll read this next, you'll read this last. And by golly, it's true. (laughs) Just based on where it is and how it looks. So what you need to decide is where do you want them to look? I took an abstract painting course once and uh, the teacher was off looking at, at somebody's work and says, what's your focal point on this painting? And she says, right here. And he says, okay, what's going to make me look there? Okay. And then where did they go next? So on this slide, I don't, I don't know where, where to go next. Like it's, it's so disjointed. I, I'm just going to be bouncing around and, and probably won't end up reading it as a result. Yeah. Well, we could look at that all day because there's probably a yes. million other problems, but I want to I want to uh, kind of keep things moving here. But thank you for that, because I think what that did, I, that, I love that it brought back some of the things we talked about earlier, some of the kind of those rules, kind of see them in action. And and uh, yeah, that it hurt my soul a little bit to make that just I want everybody to know it's it's pretty bad that the, the, there's some funny comments in the. In the chat about pepto bismol and mm-hmm. um, you know pink and green are probably not the right color combination. <laughs> yeah, lots of reasons it was bad. However, Dan, we're going to move on and go quickly through our speed round questions. So here we go. Okay, I'm ready. All right. So first speed round question. We're going to move fast and furious on these. Is you're you're truly an expert at e-learning. That's there's no doubt about that. You've proven your 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 kind of abilities today and you get to talk about that work and bio your in your bio but what's something that you're an expert in that we might not know flowers really like arrangements I I, I grow them I arrange them I have a whole cabinet in my kitchen of vases uh I grow about 50 varieties of flowers I could talk your ear off Oh, that is awesome. That's that's great. And, and next time I'm, I'm with you, I'll have to ask you about flowers because I right. can't. It's only if you want me to talk for an hour. So be careful. Yeah, well, that's the next podcast TechSmith is making. We're going to only talk about florals and vegetation. So uh, next speed round question. What's a piece of advice you'd give everyone looking to design learning content that you want them to know that maybe we haven't talked about today? It doesn't have to be about visuals. So mm-hmm. best advice you can give us. Best advice. Um Go get, go check out Kathy Moore's action mapping process. It is one of the best ways, in my opinion, to stay really focused on that Joe on some random Tuesday in November. Those are my words, not hers. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very elegant process for making sure you're focused on what people need to do instead of just filling their heads with information that they may or may not know what to do with. Perfect. I love it. So Kathy Moore's action, action mapping. Action mapping. Action mapping. Okay, go check it out. Okay, question three. There's only two questions left. So question three, where do you go for inspiration? Obviously, you're in a creative kind of industry job. You've got to have lots of ideas. How do you keep keep the kind of the creative well filled, if you will? Good question. One is uh, I go to a lot of conferences. Um, so that's great. Learning Guild, um, ATD, Training Magazine has a lot of good stuff. So many webinars. Um, I find a lot of... Um, uh, my inspiration from LinkedIn. So connecting with people like Patty Shank, that's how I found out about her article. Um, so LinkedIn is where I see people who post things that influence them. And so that helps. When I was newer to e-learning, um, one of the things that really helped was getting my hands on as many examples as I could. 
And so doing a search for people's online portfolios, uh, companies, you know, like Artisan has an online portfolio. Go check it out. Go look at some of the examples. Um, The Articulate community has their e-learning examples page, their e-learning challenges page. Um, The Learning Guild has an event called Demo Fest. Mm -hmm. If you can go in person, that's great. If not, the winners of that event have a free webinar so you can see it. So get out there and just see as much as you can. Yeah, I love that idea because it's it really is uh, it's it's amazing what people are creating, what they're able to do, and it's it is uh, definitely a place because I, I I'm a firm believer of uh, you know great art. It's what Steve Jobs stole from Picasso. Great artists are bad artists copy. Great artists steal, and and there is no shame in taking people's good ideas in the industry as long as you're not blatantly ripping it off and calling it your own. But taking their ideas, uh-huh. making it your own is. I am really a good. fan of borrowing inspiration. Absolutely. All right. Our last question for today. And we always, we just warn people, it is the hardest question that at least that's what our guests tell us uh, because mostly it puts them on the spot and they're like, I don't know. Do I really want to answer this question? It's what's a question you'd like to ask me? Oh, what's a question I would like to ask you? Um, Okay. So in the role at the beginning of the the session, you had the bits about your Audiate program. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the audio editing. So if I understand from the little bit I saw there, it's one where you can text edit your audio. So you select the words and it, which is awesome. So I've used a program called Descript that yep. does that as well. That one also lets me do a text to speech profile of my own voice. Is that something that Audiate has as well? So if you're talking about to be able to replace your voice, like you, yeah. we do not have that right now. Um, okay. Uh, definitely something I don't know if we'll we'll have that ever, but we does do the speech to text. So if you're talking, okay. it will transcribe as you go. Yes. Um, and looking ahead, eventually we'll get integration so that if you're working in Camtasia, that those mm-hmm. will go back and forth so that the nice. edits you make in your text will appear in Camtasia and you'll be that able to extend. Cool. We've got some other stuff to audio, to do sweet audio sweetening. So a little different mm-hmm. than Descript, but you know, very awesome. got similar concepts. So yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our benefit. So for, for- so Go for ahead. anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about is, is you record your audio. And if you've ever done any audio editing, you're like, okay, I got to take out part of it. And then you got to look at the squiggle and go, wait, where did that start? Oh, wait, where did that? No, wait, wait, where did that? No, here. Oh, <laughs> instead it, it transcribes it all. And you just select the words and it finds the part of the text to pull out. Like yeah. text awesome. editing of audio is just amazing. And, uh, uh, I don't know what Descript have, but we definitely have, it will identify your ums and ahs and pauses and you can automatically uh-huh. remove those. So that like, so, you know, sometimes you're like a stumble word, like, uh, it will find it mm-hmm. and identify it with a dot and you can, you can easily go nice. through and auto take them That's out. Awesome. And yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. I think, uh, we're in the camp that text editing of audio is going to be like, that's the future. Yeah. Like it's going to make your life so much easier. Oh my gosh, uh, it does. And I've, I've edited podcasts like us and ums and ahs out manually, and it is no fun. <laughs> it takes a long time. So. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, Diane, thank you. So you've been so fantastic. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge about mm-hmm. so many uh, things about visuals and images. I know uh, I've got notes that I need to go and take and say like, okay, got to remember the rules of threes. <laughs> and uh, I, I, we don't like rules, of course, too much, but uh Uh, We definitely thank you for sharing with us and and being a guest today. Well, thanks for having me. And um, I hope I won't have too many nightmares from that uh, thinking green and blue slide. 
I hope not. So if anyone wants to connect with you or follow you or get, you know, get inspiration from you, where should they look? Uh, three places I would say. One is uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, the other is um, I contribute to um, two blogs. One is at artisanelearning.com and the other is elearninguncovered.com. So artisan elearning is more at the decision maker level and elearning uncovered is more at the in the trenches making those slides happen level. Awesome. Well, well, thank you again for being with us today. You bet. So thanks everybody. We want to thank Diane. She's so fantastic. Isn't that great? I hopefully you've got wonderful information out of this. You're listening to it and thinking about how you can make your images more impactful, more meaningful, more helpful to your end audience. With that said, don't forget, we are only going to be live on the YouTube channel. That's the visual lounge channel. We will not uh, be on the text channel. We'll still point to it there occasionally, but, but you know, Go over to the Visual Lounge, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell. Or if you're listening to podcasts, make sure you put it into your podcast tool of choice. We're on all of them that you can find. You can even ask your smart speaker to play it for you if you're, you really need to go to sleep or something at night. But we're, we're just so grateful for all of our great, wonderful guests that join us. We're grateful for our audience that joins us live and ask fantastic questions. And for you for just tuning in and listening. So don't forget wherever you are, whatever you're doing, make sure you take a little bit of time and level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. We will see you guys next week.